Let's play ball. Look out. Here we go. Here it is. This is going to get ugly here. It is. Welcome back to Skaters on Baseball, the podcast with balls. I'm here with my partner, Schmitty. I'm Christian Cooper. And today we've got a special guest. We've got Andrew Allen, otherwise known as Somebody Skateboard, direct from Boston. Good morning, Andrew. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing great, man. Doing great. Coming off a big win against the Cubs and looking forward to today's <laughs> game as well. Is it really big when it's the Cubs? <laughs> hey, you know, coming out of the break, we need as much momentum, you know, as as we can get. You know what I mean? We've been so inconsistent. So it's, uh, it's you know, maybe a sort of a get right, you know, get right series. So. So let's let's take a step back. We can talk about some current stuff in a bit, but um, I want to talk yeah. about basically your history about being in Boston, being a Sox fan, and yeah, and how that was. Did you did you grow up as a little kid going to the Fenway, or how does this all get started? Yeah, so I actually I grew up in Connecticut. Um, I grew up right in between Bridgeport and New Haven, Connecticut, in the Valley, where I grew up. You could it was um, available to you to be. A Red Sox fan, of course, or a Yankees or Mets fan. So my grandmother was a real diehard Yankees fan. So when I was a kid, a little kid, um, I grew up going to Yankee Stadium and rooting for the Yankees until I I moved to Boston when I was 18. But yes, I mean, like Willie Randolph is probably my all-time favorite um, baseball player. You know, um, I caught a foul ball off Dave Winfield at Yankee Stadium. I had a pretty good uh, session with the Yankees when I was a kid, but I moved to um, to Boston when I was 18. So I've been here. I'm, I'm 50 now, so I've been here most of my life. And, you know, after 2004, obviously, it was like it, it was it's, it was pretty amazing. So, yeah, yeah, I grew up in, in Connecticut and um and grew up skating in Connecticut. Um, grew up a, a town over from Timmy Upson, and I was he was a Grom when I was uh, coming up, he was a kid. I skated with him a handful of times, and you know, a lot of great Connecticut skaters. So, absolutely, awesome. you got uh, the Shark out there, Sieber, Greco, yeah. Brian Anderson. Yeah, the list goes on. Donnie, Donnie Barley, right? Who's who's yeah. the who's the king of Connecticut on the board? Oh, Donnie. Uh, I'm a little biased because he's my boy, but um, Donnie's the all time in my in my book. ATV for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And yeah, I love him to death. He's my brother, so I love him. Yeah. Awesome. So so let's let's talk a little bit about this this swapping allegiances. You know, you grow up a Yankees fan oh, as yeah. a kid. Uh you moved to Boston at age 18. And yeah. was it something that you just felt compelled to to jump ship and go with the local team? Or how how does that work? And yeah. what's the what's the fallout and the backlash, number one, from your family and number two from potentially your friends who are like uh boston <laughs> yeah yeah so it's funny because when i was growing up my grandmother was a you know like i said a rabid uh yankees fan in fact the last few years of my grandmother's life she was bedridden and on her wall in her room she had a picture she had two framed pictures one was of the pope and one was of billy martin i'm dead serious so wow. but my grandfather was a red sox fan um, and he was a huge Carl Ustremski fan and, uh, uh, and Ted Williams fan. It was a battle. And I played baseball, I played baseball myself right up until high school, you know? So, uh, it wasn't totally out of the realm, 
You know what I mean? Because there were allegiances both ways. Just I think just as long as I was watching baseball, I think I think I was uh, okay. I mean, I was into baseball and sports, you know, even while skating, you know, while skating. I know that a lot of guys, uh, it was kind of uncool, you know, for them to kind of watch sports, you know, and skate and and everything like that. But I grew up racing BMX. My brother and I, we raced BMX um, for years. And then obviously I got a skateboard and that was that was a wrap. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, that that was it. But yeah, I just became obsessed. Uh, I lived in Alston, Mass, and on the sports radio, I was Andy from Alston. Awesome, <laughs> calling in. So when you go to a Red Sox game at Fenway and the Yankees are in town, I mean, what's the atmosphere yeah. like? And judges hearing booze. I mean, obviously, it's it's arguably one of the biggest rivalries in baseball, just like the Giants and the Dodgers. In recent years, I mean, we haven't made the you know four out of five years we haven't made the playoffs, but it's always. Um, I work, uh, my job right now is I'm a custodian at a high school that's literally in right field. So when I'm doing my, my rooms as a custodian, I look out the window and it's literally right field. So I'm at, I'm, I'm basically at every home game except for on the weekends, if, unless I'm going to the game. The first Yankee series of the year, it's palpable, man. It, and it always is. Fenway Park is 110 years old. I mean, people consider it, you know, the church of baseball. I mean, I've been at, you know, I've been at fields and it's, there's nothing like, have you guys ever been to Fenway Park? No, I've been to Wrigley. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you guys are ever out, ever out here in Boston, I mean, it really is unlike any other, any other place. It's high on my list. Actually, when I first met my, my wife within the first couple months of meeting my, who would soon to be my wife. Um, we've been married set almost 17 years. We went to old Yankee stadium. So, um, yeah. And my, and just as an aside, my wife is probably a bigger baseball fan than I am. Uh, She's a yeah. massive, yeah. yeah, absolutely massive baseball fan. So you had me at play ball. Hey, I got a question for you. Um, cause my friend Preston, dear friend of mine, when we went back East, he quickly noted how, Back East does it a little bit different, Schmitty. And uh, not for nothing, you guys have a little reputation for being like straightforward and sometimes even assholes. You got yes. the, the reputation, the mass holes. Yes. And then, and then you got the Big Apple elitist. Yeah. What's, what's gnarlier, going to Yankee Stadium in Red Sox gear or going to Fenway in Yankees gear? Like what is going to be more scary for the fans? Oh, I would say more scary for the fan. And like I said, it's it's it has died down a little bit recently. But I would say it's uh, notable to say they stopped serving drinks at, after the seventh inning. Before that, much more dangerous to be at Fenway Park. I would say mm. that, uh, to be wearing pinstripes than to be than to be down there because the, it's a new Yankee Stadium. You know, I would say maybe in the old Yankee Stadium it would be flipped, but now. I would say Fenway. I would say Fenway, and and it's it's real, and um, the mass hole thing is real. <laughs> Comes right down to it. People uh, here are, you know, we're not rooting for laundry. It's real. I mean, it's re it's real. Two thousand four here in Boston was like. I mean, just thinking about it, I got like hair on my arms standing up because people everywhere in the city that last pitch thrown, you know. 
it was like people just running out of their houses, like literally <laughs> in the street, panic in the streets. Yeah. It was it was insane. It's like the curse is over. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about 2004 because I I'm I'm under the impression that anyone who's not a Yankees fan was yep. a Red Sox fan in 2004 during that series, and uh, I certainly was glued to that entire series. Even then, when they were down 3-0, I thought. Uh, wouldn't it be beautiful if the Red Sox managed to crawl out of the coffin and come back and just hang a bad one on the Yankees? Like it would just be so just poetic justice. Right. Yeah. And then years later, watching the Ken Burns documentary and they did a whole segment on that, that series and Boston breaking the curse, you know? Um, I mean, it was, yeah, it's like, I almost get goosebumps just thinking about it because it was so exciting to watch them just come back from the dead and just wipe the Yankees out. It, it's one of the greatest sports things I've ever seen. That series. So if you were in Boston during that series, and this is, I'm not exaggerating. Everything, people didn't go to work. Everything shut down. It was like, it was like pre-pandemic pandemic, red, like Red Sox pandemic. And yeah. Nothing. Everyone was transfixed on that uh, on that series. And after that first win, you know, and you had Kevin Millar and you had, you know, all this, it, it was uh, it was so outrageous. It was it was awesome. Like I said, just thinking about it makes me so happy. And that and I think that's fueled. Um, it's fueled a lot of things. It's fueled a love of, uh, you know, young people for the Red Sox, but it's also fueled a lot of disdain for ownership and things they do in the very recent past. So, you know, it's that's, I know that's a loaded thing to say, but sure. after 2004, there was no more, you know, obviously I know, you know, it's, it sounds corny, but the curse was lifted and all this, you know, and then after that you have 2007, 2013 and 2018, um, it put in the wheels in motion that we have to win and you know, that we have to win. And there's a, and now there's a bar, yeah, we we have a similar vibe in San Francisco in that, you know, we we got three World Series championships in five years, right? And we expect a much higher standard now. And since yeah. 2014, it's kind of slid downhill. Uh, they've had some management changes. They've had uh, changes in the front office. They've had right. tons of player changes. And I think that people like me and Greg, who are like diehard Giants fans, it's frustrating to us. I mean, it's like. It's like, yeah, like, why can't we get a superstar signing? Why can't we have better players at this position? Why can't we have a five-man pitching rotation? Um, yeah. And so to true fans, I mean, yeah, once you get a taste of that, there's no going back and you start getting very critical uh, of what your team does and what the ownership does and everything. So that's, I think that's a commonality across the league for every every team, you know? For sure. For sure. Well, you guys have the probably the I mean, not probably you have the hardest division in all baseball. You're six games over 500 and tied for last place. That's pretty gnarly. Like, you know, your division is sacked. You yep. got you got, you know, Toronto, Tampa, Yankees, Baltimore, Baltimore. So it's 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 pretty gnarly out there for you guys. Um, yeah, for sure. What's the uh, overall impression of your team right now? Do you think that you're going to catch up or are you hoping for a wild card or are you guys looking for a big trade? Like I think in San Francisco, we're hoping to get a, you know, 
a boost for the trade at uh, whatever August 1st and like help like elevate a little bit. Is that what you guys are? Are you just more hurt and you just need, I mean, what's the story with Trevor out there? Huh? So yeah. So stories coming back uh, early August and we're looking, I mean, we're looking super forward to that. And you know, to tell you the truth, Hernandez hasn't been doing a, a terrible job. I mean, when you get story back, you add so much speed to, you know, so much more speed to the team. But to, to your first question, I would say there's a lot of, let me put it this way. You turn on the radio here and all, I mean, I'm sure it's the same way there for the trade deadline. It's all Otani um, talk. Shohei. Is Boston thinking Otani? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Everyone's thinking Otani, right? Well, there's rumors in every town, right? There's Mm -hmm. rumors in every town about some Otani, you know, thing. But there really is a connection here in Boston. You know, Yoshida's good friends with him. He loves chowder. Yeah, and the the (laughs) Japanese interpreter um, here is also good friends with him, too. So I know it may be, you know, wishful thinking, but I can only imagine because we're a middling team. You know, Rafi, Rafi, uh, Rafi Devers signs this massive contract. He's our, you know, he's our guy. And then what you have, I think what you have after him, aside from Verdugo and a couple of other pieces, you have a lot of veteran pieces that you can move around. So as a middling team, I think front office the decision whether we can be, um, you know, really like every other team, go for it. I think everybody really hopes that we're going to be going for it. And I, I mean, I'm hopeful about the, the Otani thing. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a. Not going to happen. I know. Well, what, I, I don't know. And then I, I just read this morning about this Phillies thing. Why? What, what is your, what, what's your. He doesn't want to be that far from Japan. You're the furthest city in the United States from Japan. He's staying on the West coast. He's either coming to SF or LA. It's a hundred percent. One of those teams. Yeah, and I think that's going to, I mean, obviously before the deadline, but I think those I think those things happen soon. But um, I think we're on a five-game winning streak. You know, even, I know I know you're going to say it was versus Oakland. <laughs> you know, we got a, a soft thing. But, you know, the, the Cubs are in a similar position um, uh, as, as we are, too, kind of middling and a lot of pieces, a lot of trade pieces, too. So um, I think today, I'm sorry, I have notes here. I, I, I have notes, sorry, at my, my memory. <laughs> no, no problem. Today, I think the Cubs are getting ready to sell. I could see Bellinger yeah. leaving and maybe yeah. Stroman. No, I, Stroman goes today against Paxton. And I think it's exactly what you just said. I think it's a, um, a showcase game for, 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 for Stroman today. But Paxton's look, looking strong, too. Um, I'd love either know. one of those guys. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I don't think you should sell the Sox short. I, I, comparing them to the Cubs is the, the Cubs have way less, I think, than what yeah. the Red Sox have. I mean, yeah. you guys, you guys sort of plundered the Dodgers a little bit and got some of the some of I think yeah. some really quality players from the Dodgers who you yeah. vanquished in the in that last World Series victory, which was fantastic for us. And you're like, fuck the Dodgers, right? Yeah. Fuck the Dodgers. Yeah. But yeah. you know, you you've got uh, you got Justin Turner, you got Kike, yeah. right? Jansen, who's arguably an old ass man, but he can still throw. Oh, um, 
fire. He's yeah. fire. Yeah. So, so let me ask you this. We'll talk about like rosters and changes of players moving around. Like when Mookie Betts left, yes. I mean, how did that affect fans? How did that affect the city of Boston in general? Were people pissed yeah. off? Yeah, it was bad. It was really <laughs> bad. It, it was. And that, it re- the psyche really, really took a hit, took a hit of the fans and obviously, especially in the front office, but you know, I think they they tried to, you know, they were scurrying around looking for, and I think that the, with the Dever, you know, with Rafi signing this massive contract, and also in conjunction with uh, with Chris Sale, I mean, him and him continuing to get hurt, it was a real dire, you know, situ- situation. So it was really negative, man. There's a lot of people who were in love with him. There's a lot of people who are in love with Xander. And that was like the core of your team. That was the like heart and soul of, of your team. So, um, yep. you know, we get attached to certain characters on the team, like we have all throughout the years. I'm sure you guys have certain sure. characters team yep. Yep. that you attach to. I mean, for my money, Mookie's definitely top three in all of baseball. He's he's the. Yeah. I know Christian never likes to admit it because he's a Dodger, but I look at this guy and he's so fucking talented. I would take oh, him yeah. in a heartbeat. If I was the Red Sox and I lost that guy, I'd be like, what yeah. the fuck? And yeah. then the thing I got to say is, how did you guys feel about getting Pablo Sandoval paying all that money and then giving them back to us for free? I mean, there's no scout report on Sandoval as to what he has. You got the panda back plus... Uh plus what 55 pounds right <laughs> he got yeah i mean he went, he went back and forth i don't know I, I i loved him right right when he got here you know what i mean right when he got here we were super stoked but yeah flash in the pan yeah. he didn't do anything for you guys huh zero zero well he, he provided some comedy when his belt broke that oh, one time yeah. the plate i i that's a weird one for me because i, I think it kind of reflects a difference in a fan base between san francisco and and boston like the the hardcore i watched a couple of those games when he was playing in boston and the fans were giving it to him man they oh, were just i mean you could hear people just screaming at him like you fat fuck you know oh. what? like this is terrible you're worthless and um yeah. in san francisco i think fans have been willing to i mean I, i'm one of the more critical fans obviously but i think there are fans who are willing to excuse certain inadequacies in players because of their personality or um, these these little marquee moments that they've had in the midst of yep. a horrible slump that the guy hit one, you know, walk-off home run. And everybody remembers that rather than sure. the guy struck – he went, oh, for four or five games in a row. So oh, uh, yeah. when he came back to San Francisco, even though he left on kind of crappy terms, that he took the same money to go to Boston rather than staying in SF – um, yeah. fans were perfectly willing to forgive that right away when he came back. Whereas I think if the roles were reversed and, and Boston had released him and then got him back and he sucked, the, the people in Boston would be pissed. Right. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things too, is that you have, you had, it's not like this anymore, but you had players, obviously it's kind of like the Patriots. You no, know, you had guys maybe a little bit older who wanted to win, you know what I mean? Who wanted to, who, who knew they had a realistic chance Mm. of getting into the dance, you know? So I think that's probably part of it. And I think that's probably, you know, why it's so frustrating for this fan base. I mean, you had got, you had people booing Manny here. You had people boo um, for good reason. Did they ever boo Ortiz? No, that's probably, no. That's, that's sacred, <laughs> He might be right? the one guy, right? 
Hey, I got I got another question that goes back a little bit. Um, did you ever see this guy that hung out with Pedro Martinez like around oh, town in a while? Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, I saw him a bunch <laughs> of times. Oh yeah, yep, I saw him in, in the parade. I was right right firsthand in the parade. They had a World Series trophy presentation thing, and he was with them there, too. Pretty wild, right? What was the story behind him? Was he like a good luck charm to Pedro? Or like, what, yeah. why was he always with him? So he was, a, I believe, I believe the story is that he was an actor, like in the in the Dominican, or in the Dominican, I believe. And he, yeah, he just became this, like, friends with Pedro, and he became this good luck charm. And he was kind of like a... He was kind of like a clubhouse good luck charm, too. And then he would just show up. It's pretty awesome that you mentioned that. I actually haven't thought of that, about that in a while, long time. It's just, I mean, Pedro was such a character. And, like, he was uh, on the Dodgers also for a minute. But when he was on the Red Sox, I was just, you know, I could like him a little bit more because he was out of the blue. So uh, following I mean, that story was pretty comical. Yeah. Don't get me started on Pedro. So, probably my all-time favorite pitcher. And I have an, un, uh, if I could just say, and as, as an aside, I have an unhealthy obsession with um, knuckleballers. So, Ooh, Necro? To have Necro, R.A. Dickey, and we had the best. You know, we had Wakefield. So oh, to yeah. have, like, Clemens throwing, you know, so hard, and then to mix it up with having, like, a, a knuckleballer in there. And we also had um, Stephen Wright, too. I don't even know if you remember him, but he was a knuckleballer, too. Okay. So we had a couple of knuckleballers, you know, Wakefield coming from the Pirates. Um, yeah, I love R.A. Dickey. Uh, obviously, Phil Necro, but but yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I got off tangent there. Well, speaking of Clemens, how does Boston feel about the Rocket not getting into the Hall of Fame? Like, is this like a torn subject, or is this 100% he should be in there, or 100% he should not be in there? Because San Francisco, I think, definitely thinks that the home run leader should be in the Hall of Fame. So that's how we feel. Barry, it's I, I would say it's split because you have, you know, if you I listen, I mean, I'm a, I'm a I listen to sports radio 24 hours a day. So I have a pretty, you know, I have a pretty good and I work and I work down there. So I have a pretty right. good finger on the pulse of what's happening. And I would say that it's split because you had him defect, obviously, to the Yankees, to the Blue Jays and the Yankees. And. Oh, that's you true. Yeah. They'll love him. And and you have people who also think that he abused, you know, steroids. So um, I think you have a pretty 50-50 split. Uh, do, you, do you want to know my opinion on it? Sure. I think he should absolutely be in there at 100%. I want something. I get it. Yeah. It, it's a it's a it's a crazy argument with a lot of angles. And I think that if I'm not mistaken, Clemens never pissed dirty, right? He never once no. tested positive. Neither did Bonds. And I think we're talking about guys who played in an era where at least 75% of the guys in the majors were juicing. Yeah. I, I think Paul Duca wrote a book about it and basically said everybody on the Dodgers was juicing. Fuck the Dodgers. Yeah. So if that's the case, you extrapolate across the league, you figure, okay, 75% is probably a, a modest estimate. Yeah. Uh, and f for it to be left up to a bunch of baseball writers who all have attitudes and egos about the yeah. words that they put on on paper and subsequently on the Internet. Yeah. Um, it's not surprising that maybe they hold grudges against guys who weren't the friendliest to them in all those years or they're trying to virtue signal about, oh, we're so righteous and people should never dope. You know, meanwhile, you got a rod, a fraud and people like that who tested positive multiple times. 
Um, and nobody seems to throw them under the bus quite as much as Barry. It's, it's a weird thing. You know, it's a really weird weird thing. Yeah. I mean, Clemens hangs his hat on the fact that he never, um, that he never tested, uh, positive. And, and it, it seemed like every week it would be something new that they were banning and they were trying to stay ahead of something. I think maybe even today, you know, they're, they're trying to stay ahead. So even if it was something, it would be banned, instantly banned. And then, it, you know, guys would be on to the next and it would be banned and they'd be on to the next, like creatine. You know, it was first it was like creatine and Maguire, with Maguire. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I watched a fascinating documentary about cycling doping and a guy oh, yeah. who actually yep. contacted the guy who who engineered the EPO for Lance Armstrong and all these yeah. guys that claimed that they were clean. Yeah, Ferrari, right? And Ferrari. Uh, the, the, the bottom line, all that came out of that is they said, man, the guys in the lab engineering this stuff are three steps ahead of Absolutely. the doping people. So like what by the time they figure out what to test for, we're on to the next thing already. Yeah. Hey, I just want to put it out there too. The uh, Schmidia, you interviewed my uncle, my uncle Freddie, and that that was awesome too. I, I'm, pretty, oh. I'm pretty Smith. Is, so, is he really your uncle, or you just call him uncle? No, I call him uncle. I worked with him at a tattoo shop here for for a while, and he's one of my, he's one he, of my. He's dudes. he's great. I I love Fred Smith. He's a fucking Absolutely. awesome storyteller. He was friends with Jake too, so that was special yeah. for me to kind of hear some early stories because Jake yeah. grew up out there with them. He had the second smelliest pads of all time. <laughs> what do we expect? What do you think? We got July twenty eighth is a big fucking day. Yeah. Three-day series. Boston comes into our house. I think this is the first. No, this is the second time Boston's been here. Yeah. Um, but this year, what what we had a, a, a Mariners fan on, and he bet against uh, the Giants, and he did pretty good. They won two out of three. What yeah. are you thinking uh, coming into SF for a three-game series? What are the keys, and, and what do you think your chances are? Here, here's the thing about about that series because I was thinking about it. I actually listened to that pod too with the with the Mariners, uh, with the Mariners uh, fan. That's what got me nervous about being on this podcast, man. I was like, wow, man, I got to do some, I got to take some notes here, man. This is, uh, <laughs> I was wild, man. I was like, these guys. I was like, man, Schmidty's in the kayak in the cove, man. We gotta <laughs> step up here, baby. It, it, that's what the twenty eighth, right? So that's yeah, what, yeah, end of the days. month. Yeah, three days before the trade, before the deadline. So that's true. Wow, that's going to be huge. I think it's huge, and I think that um, the Red Sox um, and rumors, and I listen to Red Sox specific podcasts, is that we're going to, uh, you know, we're looking for a start a one, uh, one or two starting pitchers. We're looking obviously for this middle relief. You're right on. I think that that's going to be like the big trades are going to have happened either right before that or during that series. Yeah. And then, and then the first we go against Diamondbacks. So we'll be, we'll have our, our new team if we have any new people, but, uh, Right. Yeah, that'd be interesting if Boston comes in with a new guy or SF has this new guy that's like helping that energy. You know, that the dog days are real, so it's good to get yeah. like a fresh guy in there. And I love that time of year, too. I love this time of year, obviously, because, you know, if you're a nerd, like this is your this is your time of year to listen to all these things. But also, um you know, I love it. I work nights, and I I get to listen to the listen to or watch the West Coast games. So I'm I'm on it. You know, I'm 100 percent on it. 
you know, I would like to, I wanted to come on here and say like, oh, the Giants this, the Giants that, but I'll tell you the truth, man. I like the Giants this year. We are resilient. Who's your favorite Giant from afar? Who, who are you looking at as like? I don't know. Who are they putting in the ones in the leadoff slot this today? Wade. Should be Lamont Wade. Lamont Wade Jr. Late night Lamont. Yeah. I play, do you guys play fantasy? Yep. Schmitty does, yeah. yeah I, I just, I just got Bailey, so I'm hyped on that. Wow. Ba- Bailey, yeah. Bailey's. I mean, they're Christian loves the uh, small sample size quote, but this guy is doing it right now. Yeah, they're comparing them to like all the greats. So it's, it's been fun to watch them throw people out, call games, and actually hit from both sides of the plate. It's pretty sweet to have a switch hitting catcher that can call a great game and. People can't yeah. run on them. Like it's 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 neat. That's our that's I think that's one of our uh one of our areas too. With Wong, he's like serviceable. You know, I mean it would like I would, we would like to have um another catcher or, or or a name catcher who could call who could call a good game. We'll yeah. trade you Joey Bart. Is Alfaro the everyday starter or is it is Wong? No, Wong, they trade with Wong, yeah. They trade okay. with Wong. It depends on who's pitching. I know that Bayo uh, likes to have Wong as a, as his catcher as a battery mate there, so that's sure. how that works. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's going to be interesting when when the Sox come to San Francisco because uh, there's a couple of former what? Giants recent past coming in with you guys, uh, Christian Arroyo, who yes. I think maybe played a dozen games at the major league level before they shipped him. Uh, yeah. Had a, it was touted as a big prospect. Showed yep. a little bit of flash, but didn't do much. And he didn't get a chance to do much because they sent him away. And then uh, right. Duvall, who actually was kind of a monster in San Francisco, and it's a little bit of a mystery why they let him go. I, I'm not really yep. sure. He had some big-time clutch hits in SF. So he scares me a little bit. And in that last World Series, that guy was on fire, you know. Who are you guys? Who are you guys looking at on our roster? You know who I'm looking at? is possibly the best name in all of baseball. You change. Yeah, you change. He's awesome. You know, he's like Mr. Consistency too. Like he's he's pretty across the board, pretty consistent. He's a contact guy. Yeah, it should be a good series. I think teams yeah. will match up real well and yeah. Uh, yeah. try to stay ahead going into the eighth and ninth, and then we can have our guys nail it down. Doval's been just absolutely money this year as our closer he was he right. won he won the all-star game so that was pretty right. sweet Pretty don't bring me down with this otani thing man i'm we're we're uh <laughs> we're, we're, we're playful out here man come on now let's talk about that a little bit i mean so the the banter on our flagship radio station in san francisco which has to be totally perfectly honest and fair a bunch of complete knuckleheads on it these well, guys that uh, yeah, they, they're talking, oh, we need to package up Bailey, Schmidt, this, that, and the other thing to get Otani. That's what we got to do. And it's like, okay, first of all, Otani by himself is not going to bring you a ring. You know, It doesn't matter what you bring him into. The, the goal is not to get him as a rental and trade off all your good prospects right. to bring him in. What do you bring him into? Avoid, 100%. right? right. Exactly. Uh, and so, and so, Schmitty and I both agree that we wouldn't want Shohei as a rental unless right. it absolutely guaranteed a World Series. And they've already got the talks underway to secure a contract long term with him after that trade. Right? Um, I would much rather see the Giants 
go without and retain a lot of this young talent that they've promoted that has been really doing well and then offer that as an incentive to Otani like okay we're building for the next five years and we want you to come in and be the master of the ship here right Um, that to me makes sense I don't know how you feel about it in Boston what if if they feel like oh we just we don't care we'll we'll trade the farm just to get this guy or is it more the same kind of feeling yeah. So in, 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 in the front office here in Boston, um, the guy's name is John Henry. So his, um, he, his ownership group also owns a English premier league soccer team. They own the Pittsburgh Penguins and the NHL. They own Roush racing, which is a NASCAR and formula one um, racing team. He's got it spread out. The feeling here is that, he has taken his attention off of the Red Sox um, with Mookie, like we talked about before with Mookie leaving with Xander leaving, he has to do something to regain the, you know, the fans. And I, um, I'm not sure what you call them out there, but in here in Boston, we call them pink hats, you know, the kind of like um, fly by night kind like of, uh, band, you know, band wagon. Yeah. Bandwagon people. They call them pink hats out here. I don't know what they call them out there. But. <laughs> That's um, great. So what, you, you know, I think just from a, if you're talking about bringing Otani to Boston, just from an economical standpoint, and I'm not talking about the pieces that we can put around him, which I do think we have some pieces we, we legitimately can put around him. I think it makes total sense economically here. It would be, it would be for, for the ownership group and for Boston, it would be, it would be money in the bank. I mean, pay the guy. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I think everyone feels that way. I mean, with jersey sales alone and attendance and just everything he brings besides the obvious, his stats and whatnot, it seems yeah. like such a smart move. Um, as far as the Giants are concerned, I would definitely say from a fan's perspective, I don't think they should even go for Otani unless they're like at least 90% sure they're going to get them and they're not and they don't have a budget because our fan base can't handle another Aaron Judge situation where it's like we get announced that we got this guy and then they say oh no that's not true and then we lose him we lose Korea we don't get anyone one year later to have that same drama with another higher touted player I don't know if our hearts can handle that. So I'm saying we either get them or we don't even try. Yeah. Yeah, And missing judge and missing Correa eclipsed any and all dialogue about the giants for days on end. In other words, nobody talked about anything else about the San Francisco giants, except ha ha. You didn't get arson judge. Uh, and the Korea thing is a huge mess and the, and the ownership has completely screwed this up. They had him in SF for the press conference and then shut it down. Right. Like, it was I, a blessing I, though. It, it was a bad, yeah. In, in retrospect, yeah. Getting Korea would have been a really bad idea, but it was just the look, the smell was not good. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's like the A-Rod situation here in Boston. I don't know if you remember that, but. Oh, right. Yeah. Damn. Yep. Well, hey, I got a question for you. So April 30th, 2024, San Francisco Giants and Schmitty are going to Boston. 
It's a three-day weekend. I want to know where do I go for food? Where oh. do I sit in the stadium? And how do I get the ultimate Boston weekend while I'm out there? Oh, wow. And where do I skate? I'll bring my skateboard, you know, yeah. like, is there a sick bowl? Is there some parks? Is there any, you know me, I'm not going to be kickflip nose grinding anything. I need to go fucking right. hit tranny. Yeah, yeah. So you have um, right downtown, you have uh, Lynch Skate Park, which is a huge, van, you know, is a Vans uh, sponsored skate park. Big Bowl, um, a Clover Bowl. Um, they kind of recreated some of the iconic Boston spots like the hospital banks and stuff. It's a really cool one. There's a newer, newer park right near me in Hyde Park, which is an awesome park, which I, yeah, there's a Sloppy Sam Park. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got you got a lot of stuff out here. Uh, a lot of a lot of skating, and you got eggs, which is a which is a fun spot. There's a you know there's a lot of good um, old man slappy spots that I could uh, I'd be more than happy to. Uh, okay. <laughs> to do. As far as food goes, where's the best chowder in town and shit like that? You know. Oh yeah, right on the sea. I mean, the seaport is filled with that kind of filled with that kind of stuff. Crab Shack and. Uh, yeah. I want a non-tourist spot. I want like the fucking homie, like you guys eat the local spot. I don't want to go to Fisherman's Wharf and Pier 39. Right, 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 I want right. to go to fucking like some <laughs> swans oh, yeah. is our spot down on oh, Polk yeah. Street. Yeah, for sure. And you got a lot of spots in the north end to uh, the north end of Boston here that okay. are just those kind of spots are off the beaten path. I would say the north end as far as proximity to to Fenway it's just right there and it's just the bet you know the bet I mean the greatest food you know I would say I, I would sit on the green monster if that That's was your what I was wondering yeah. first first time to Fenway do I need to sit on the green monster I think and so. is that gonna cost me a pretty penny it is okay it is but uh worth I it I may though. have a little uh a little Some connect so. I know a guy hit. that knows a guy <laughs> before you buy those tickets hit me up <laughs> Bring a Thrasher hoodie and we might be able to talk, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I'm looking forward to it. I just noticed that on the schedule the other day. And I, dude, I mean, Wrigley was out fucking yeah. standing. Yeah. And I'm I can sure. only imagine Fenway will be the same way. I yeah. love that stadium in the middle of the city and the whole vibe is nothing but baseball and their team. And oh, yeah. you just feel so much more. You don't even have to go into the game and you feel yep. it, right? Yeah. Like, that's it's just a wonderful experience for an out-of-town baseball fan. Yeah, and you're going to – it's a, it's a museum, you know? Right. And it's – you walk up, like, you get on the runway and you walk up and you just, like – every. I've been there I've been there so many times, man. Every time I walk up the runway when, to the seats, like, I get that little, like – I get the nervous farts, you know what I mean? <laughs> as long as it's not oops poops. <laughs> <laughs> one of the other thing, one of the things I wanted to tell you is that did you realize last night was the f only the second Friday night night game at Wrigley ever? Um, you know, uh, wow. No, I didn't know that. They have yeah. terrible lighting there. It's every time I've ever seen a night game at Wrigley, yes. it's like how can anybody see what's going on? Like yeah. I, I imagine playing night games there is a nightmare for visiting teams. Right. They yeah, try yeah. to stay away from that. I bet. Right. So it was second second night game, a uh, second Friday night game uh, ever, which is really wow. weird. Well, you know, I I think you shouldn't take it too hard that you guys are in last place because you're still over 500 in a division where nobody's under, and you know, 
uh, it's the AL East is just gnarly, right? So it doesn't mean that the Red Sox suck. It just means yeah. they're kind of not as good as some of the teams that are just killing it out there. I mean, Tampa's ridiculous, right? Oh, um, I mean, look at the look at Tampa's pitching and look what they do. They throw strikes, man, and and they're encouraging guys to throw their stuff and to hit the strike zone. And I think that's like one of the things that you're like, man, you know, their 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 pitching staff is sick. I mean, yeah. we're we're for as of last night, we're forty nine and forty three. We're two mm. games out of that wild card spot, and with That's the trade, crazy. you know, with the looming trade deadline, and 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 uh, we're on, a, you know, we're on a six game winning streak right now. And I know Schmidt's laughing over there because it was the A's and now it's the Cubs. But ah, fine. whatever, man. A win it's is cool. a win in my book. Yeah, wins are wins. Hey. Um, getting clock and dubs, but I look I look forward to today. And like you, I think Schmidt, you said. With a starting pitching, uh, uh, this is a, sh- a showcase game for on the other side for Stroman um, facing Paxton. So it's a big game today, and I think he'll. I think he's going to show out. So it's. Uh, be he's awesome. been he's been money all year. I think he really wants to stay in Chicago, which is going to be even more hard for a team to get him. I feel like it's going to be you're going to have to overpay for Stroman. I'm pretty yeah. sure. You know. Yep. But, Absolutely. Sometimes yeah. you can give a little more to get the one piece that you need. Yeah. Starting pitching, man. The the Giants might have a slight edge with Stroman only because he and Logan Webb uh, actually were working out oh. together in the offseason when the lockout was going on, and they yeah. become friends. And seems like they have some sort of a friendship going that maybe is, I don't know, might be enticing for him to come, maybe not. But, you know, like sure. I'd like to think – any little factor in those relationships amongst players that can bring great talent to your city. Great, man. But so. at the end of the day, man, it's the, uh, <laughs> the yeah, it's, I, it's I hate true. agent driven contracts and agent driven oh. baseball just annoys the shit out of me. I want to see yeah. guys play in the city. They want to play in, in front of the fans. They want to play in front of with the guys uh, they want to play with. Ever. I see Scott Boris's name. I cringe, man. I cringe. Yeah, he's he's the biggest turd in that punch bowl for sure. <laughs> um, so I I really only have one other thing for you, and I'm just curious about because we sort of talk to everybody about this, and it's it's one of the galling things about baseball. The city sure. connects the city connect uniforms in Boston. Yep. What is up with the yellow, dude? My wife got me for Christmas, I believe, a pair of those socks. You know, I got a, a hat. You know, a city connect hat, and it it. it so I'm sorry. You said you you're saying you don't like them. I I am not a fan. We just of, don't understand. The name is red, and you have yellow as yeah, yeah, the color. Yeah, red socks, not yellow socks. Red. Yes, yeah, so it's the it's the marathon colors, and it's it's it, it has a connection with the marathon bombing. So okay. It's like, okay. Yeah, it's that it's that um that kind of connection there. But I know oh. what you. Mean. It's super weird, obviously. Yeah, I just think if you look around the league, most of them are horrifically ugly. And yeah. what, what what was amazing is last night I had the big inning MLB uh, app thing going on my TV while I was listening to the Giants game because I couldn't dial it up on Apple TV, I, which is also obnoxious. <laughs> and so the, a lot of teams were wearing the City Connects last night and some that I've never seen before, like Baltimore. Oh, yeah. Oh, horrible. Like, what? who's designing this stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. Remember when they they would have the All Star game and everyone would wear their uniform? 
Yeah, yes. that was much better. I really liked it. And then they got away from that and they were only wearing their caps. And it was like, it kind of, I mean, what? it's not a game like soccer or football where it's important that the uniforms match right. to delineate who's on what team. You're on right. offense, you're on offense, you're on defense, you're on defense. Nobody's going to be confused by a different uniform. Yes. So, yeah, it, I think it's all just – I don't know what they're doing with all that stuff, man. They they do some weird shit. And the, and this year they were weird. Like what somebody like picked the the pastel dark yeah, Pantone yeah. book and went like weird gray blue and weird yeah. gray green. It was just strange. Yep. Strange. Padres well, still have the worst ones. I will forever I will forever, you know, ever since I was a kid and to this day, I will forever be vexed about why. The manager and coaching staff are wearing uniforms. <laughs> right. Huh. I love it, though. I love it. Yeah. I think it's a, maybe it's just if you've been in it that long and you've been you've come up through the ranks of the minor leagues, youth baseball. Uh, you you played in majors. Maybe you end up in a uh, in a management or coaching capacity. Yeah. I think it's just hard to take the uniform off. It's kind of like right. us where we're we're in our fifties and we're still riding skateboards and still yeah. wearing the shoes and the clothes that we wear. Uh, we're not yeah. like showing up at the spot with a suit on and telling the right. kids like, yeah, rip it up, man. It just doesn't work that way. Right. So, but it is funny. It's, it's the only, pretty much the only sport where they do that. Right. Yeah. I love it. Well, I got two final questions. Yep. Favorite dinosaur junior song. Um, the wagon. Here's a wagon, get on in. I went to France with uh, Jay Maskis and Lou Barlow. It was oh, nice highlight of my life. That was insane. I, they're one awesome. of my favorite all-time bands. He's yeah. a townie, though, right? He's a fucking townie from Lowell, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's out for, well for, in Western Mass. Yeah, we're from Western. where my from where my wife is from. Actually, both of them. Yeah, yeah. deep. And deep wounds. That it's was the band. So sick that he he grew up with Jake. Like him and Jake knew each other in the punk scene. It was yep. like, dude, yep. having them talk in Paris was blowing my mind. It was so cool. I, I love that interview. I've watched that a few times. I love oh, it. Hell yeah. Um, okay. And so the final is pretty much our signing off, which is you giving me your announcer's home run call. Okay. Okay. Let's see. I've never done this before. It's a straight fastball, and Rafi connects. It is going, going over the monster onto Causeway Street, and the Red Sox win. Yes. <laughs> that was awesome. Adios, Palota. Yeah. <laughs> hey, cool. thanks for the time, man. It was great catching up with you, and I'll definitely hit you if I head out your way and do the same if you come out our way. Yeah, please. That would be excellent, man. I'd love to. I'd love to show you around. Cool. Yeah. Thanks so much, Andrew. It's been a blast talking to you. And uh, next time you're out here and hanging out with Lance, dude, call me. Call me. I was just yeah. at the pump track with him yesterday morning. Yeah. Come out next time you're out. Let's roll. I, I last time I was out there, I skated the barracks and saw Morrissey all in one day. <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> Yeah, we'll be. Uh, I'm sure we'll have a little banter going in a in a week or so. Whenever our t our teams play each other, that'll be fun. I love having these. If there's anybody out there that's from another team, we love having you guys on. So 
just hit us with a DM. If you're a fan of the Blue Jays, we'll tell you why Brandon Belt sucks. Like whoever wants to call in and do one of these, we are open always. It's fun talking baseball, and I love hearing about other teams and getting informed. So appreciate you, man. Thank you so much, guys. It's been an honor to be on here. All right. Take care. Cool. See you. Light. Adios! Thanks for listening to this episode of Skaters on Baseball. If you liked what you heard, please spread the word. Give us a good review or hell, blow us up on your social media if you're down. Follow us at Skates on Base on Instagram for baseball news and other fun stuff. We love comments and listener participation, so bring it with an audio clip or an email. You can email us at skatersonbase at gmail.com. We're everywhere you get your podcasts, and we'll be here all season long.